Uh, hello. Hey. Howdy. How's everybody doing? Not too bad. Mm, I'm feeling okay. <laughs> Welcome to uh, We Watch Movies and Then Talk About Them, the podcast where I just desperately want to watch an episode of Spongebob right now. <gasps> I feel like that would... Let's watch one. I feel like that yes. would severely improve my spirits. Hash slinging right slasher. Let's watch that one. Now you got to watch the... Uh, Need something happy. What is it? The, the, the one where they... Go play at the Super Bowl or whatever it's called. Oh, shoot. That's a good one. That's a really good one. So is the, the health inspector. Oh, any of the chocolate ones <sighs> are really good. All right. Um, so again, welcome to We Watch Movies and Then Talk About Them, your weekly source for watching movies and then talking about them. My name is Andrew Westensko, and I am the host of this here podcast, of which we are on the 11th episode Look at us go. A baker's dozen. <laughs> nope. I thought we clarified this last week, right? A, b- <laughs> a baker's dozen. <laughs> Is in two more episodes. All right. <laughs> At my right hand, we have Becca Westensko. Hello. Hello. And at my left hand, we have Sid Bean. Oh, yeah. I already asked how everybody's doing, but how's everybody doing today? I'm really hot right now. It's pretty warm. It is warm. I'm sweaty. For some reason, there's no um, AC in this basement because the builder said that it would, basically the basement would keep itself cool, but I don't think that it accounted for it being 8 trillion degrees outside. So now the basement gets hot sometimes because there's no AC. And maybe having three people live down here. That probably doesn't help. (laughs) Um, Welcome to, as I said, episode 11 of... We watch movies and then talk about them. This week's film is a listener suggestion. And our very first. Our very first listener, listener suggestion. Thank you, Berto, for the suggestion of Lars von Trier's Dancer in the Dark. It's a movie. Um, it is a documentary about the failings of the American healthcare system. And the lengths that people have to go to just to keep their families healthy and happy. <laughs> right? Yes. Now, um, okay, so this movie came out in 2000, so I don't feel bad about spoilers. Basically, if you have not seen it, uh, go watch it and then come back and listen to the podcast because that's the format of the podcast. We watch it and then we talk about it. So if you haven't watched it, the podcast might not make a lot of sense to you. Yes. <laughs> Thank you. I concur. Thank you. I'm glad that I have everybody on my side. Uh, so Dancer in the Dark is a movie that is about a woman who, uh, she's from Czechoslovakia, um, now known as the Czech Republic. Although I read somewhere that they're wanting to change their name again um, to like Czechia or something like that. I don't know. That I could be way off base. I read that somewhere. Um, but again, I wouldn't want to be called the Czech Republic either. That's a weird country name. Prague, lovely city, though. I'd love to go sometime. I, everybody that I know that's been loved it. Um, but today we're talking about Dancer in the Dark. It's about a woman from Czechoslovakia. She comes over to America because she has a... Uh, what's the word? Congenital? Is that when it's passed down? I think so. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's right, right? Uh, congenital disease where uh, her eyesight slowly goes away. So one could say that this movie is about 
uh, negative things inherited from generations past, <laughs> which basically makes it hereditary, right? Except terribly sad and not terribly horrifying. There you go. Uh, so she comes to America. She, uh, her coming to America is background. It's not actually in the film. She is in America working to save money to get her son an operation so that he uh, will not lose his eyesight the way that she is losing her eyesight. Uh, she goes through several struggles, and in order to keep herself happy, she likes to pretend that she is in a musical. So she has these kind of uh, daydreams where she will sing and dance, and it's really lovely. It is lovely. And it's a good word for it. <laughs> um, for intense spoilers, just in case you haven't watched it recently, uh, she gets robbed and then kills the guy that robbed her because he asked her to. And then she goes to prison and gets hanged. Now you know the whole story. Now you know the whole story. And why we may not be having such a great night. Yeah. Holy heavens. <laughs> Seriously. Um, so we'll get into it with some hot takes. But um, yeah, good heavens, people. I don't really. This is a tough one, I think. <laughs> this is a tough one. This is a really, really oh tough one. Um, but we're going to do our best for it. This is... Um, you know, we'll just we'll just do it. Let's just do it. Let's just go hot just takes. Jump in. We're just gonna do hot takes and we're gonna call it good. So, starting at my right hand, Becca, give us your hot take on Lars von Trier's Dancer in the Dark. All right, my hot take. I think that I absolutely loved it, and I'm a little bit surprised at how much I loved it because when it first started. Um, the camera work was definitely off or not really off to me, but like it just wasn't as good as what I was expecting. Um, but I love the characters and the story that this movie tells. And I think that they're like, it's so important and it's so like beautiful to watch. And I think that the camera work and the music and everything like leaves way for a great story to be told. So that would be my hot take. Very well. Sid, what would your hot take be? Well, my hot take would be, I feel like this is filmed like a weird home video. Um, and I think it's very good for the story in showing the vulnerability of the characters and making it very personal. Cinematically, I didn't love it. Um, I feel like it just kind of took me out of, it kinda, yeah, it took me out of the movie where I feel like it was supposed to kind of immerse me into it. Um, but yeah, I agree with Becca. The characters and the performances are all really good. I had my doubts about Bjork. Like, I've heard about this movie for years, just knowing that it's a very sad movie. Um, but she she killed it. She was really good in this. Jeez, um, she broke my heart. <laughs> but yeah, I'd say it was... I mean, I'm not a huge fan of musicals. But I'd say this was a pretty solid one. And that's my hot take. Um, yeah, this movie is, like, oppressively sad. There's, like, a, I feel like there's just, like, a, uh, as I was watching it, it's almost like there's, like, a weight on your chest, mm -hmm. as you can just feel, uh, like, just the weight of the movie and the intensity of it and all of the things happening. Um, my hot takes are that... Um, I think that I really loved it. 
but it's so it's so hard to tell honestly because it like i said it's so depressing but like also not at the same time so i don't know i'm very i'm very torn on this movie like i want to love it so much because of the things that i love but it's just so sad and like i don't necessarily dislike movies automatically for being sad but like this is like I don't know if like Boy in the Striped Pajamas did some downers. <laughs> and <then laughs> You know what I mean? Like it's just it's it's so sad. It really is so sad. And like throughout, it's not like it's like oh things happen and then it's a sad moment. It's it's like but then at the same time and I'll get into this but like that's also the a lot of what I think makes it so excellent and obviously so effective effective with an a like it's very affecting yeah um heavens people well let's let's jump let's jump right in on this because i do want to go um into what sid talked about a little bit with the uh cinematography and the camera work because for me i absolutely could not get enough of it i felt like from because there's like the um overture right and it has the like colors fading in and out and images and all that kind of stuff for the overture and then just kind of like hard cuts to the musical practice right Mm -hmm. and i was like oh is this a home video like are we gonna zoom out and see how the movie's really filmed and then it took me probably a good 10 minutes to realize oh no this is just how the movie is filmed and i i was just like i was just drawn in and engrossed from the first second i couldn't look away and I feel like that's one of my favorite things about this movie. And I'll, I'll, I'll sum up several different aspects in that it feels extremely organic and lived in, mm-hmm. if that makes sense. Yeah, I actually wrote a note that like when you watch it, it seems so like ordinary because it is it does just feel like a really long home video. And I think that's what made it so good is because, like, Selma, the main character, is so ordinary. Like, there's absolutely nothing special about her except, like, what's in her head and the way that she thinks and the way that she looks at the world. And so I think that's such an interesting way to film a movie is just so ordinary and so, like, raw, but then, like, give these elements of, like, like the musical and the dancing part that was like in her mind like we get to see what Selma's life is like and what it's like to be in her head and to like have these moments and these things that make ordinary things be like more special so that's what I think the cinematography did for it and I think it's not just the cinematography though I think it's a lot of different aspects I think that a lot of it comes from uh, the performances and uh, I think it, it comes down to a few things. So one is the cinematography, the performances, the editing, the writing, and the lack of music outside of the like actual musical moments, mm-hmm. right? Like the only the only music that we hear apart from the musical numbers is all diegetic. Like it's they have the radio on or um, you know there's something in the background or whatever, but there's no as far as I can tell, there's no score apart from 
the musical numbers. Yeah. Which is like real life. Exactly. Music is just in our heads. <laughs> no, and I think that I think that you said it right, so when you said it's like an extended home movie. Mm-hmm. Because that's what it feels like. I feel like I'm watching like the world's worst episode of America's Funniest Home Videos. <laughs> that's terrible. <laughs> but just like st- by the style, I mean, you know what I mean? Yeah. And yeah. the fact that again, like every the acting is the acting and the writing I think get a lot of credit for that as well because again, it just feels so natural and like without them sitting you down and telling you the life history of these people you get an idea for who they are and um you know why they act the way that they do and everybody just makes sense every single character in this movie is human to a fault Mm -hmm. and i think that's a really 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 impressive thing to do yeah and i think like you mentioned, Andrew, it did take me a few minutes to get into the cinematography because I feel like since I started getting into like films and movies, like Andrew, you especially have like pointed out cinematography to me. So I've always been like watching for it. And when it wasn't there, like it wasn't good. I was like, what is going on? This is bad cinematography and bad camera work, but it was purposeful and it made the movie and really helped with the themes and everything along with it. So I guess I want to hop back on my opinion. So I had a similar experience in the beginning. I was just kind of like waiting for them to like end this filming technique and like go to like the actual camera. Um, now that I think about it, it probably more so bothered me in the first half hour but I think after that I kind of got used to it and I honestly don't even really remember it it just felt really disorienting in the beginning and I was having trouble with that especially in the scene um between Selma and is it Bill the neighbor uh yeah yeah that was the scene that it probably bothered me the most when they're talking like telling each other their secrets yeah just because it was going back and forth from them the whole time but I mean yeah I feel like it was very good for um, making it feel very real and very natural. But it's just, I don't know. I just wasn't expecting it, so it was harder for me to kind of jump on that train. I think that's fair. Yeah, totally. But I I do like how it made the musical numbers stand out much more and that this was more stylized. And then also, on the other hand, it made the last scene stand out more because... You expect it to jump to that, you know, the colorful musical, but you realize halfway through her song, it's still real life. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, the musical numbers for me were um, like just absolute highlights of the film. It was kind of like, and I'm not a huge musical fan, I think. I don't know. There's a lot of musicals that I do like, but the like typical ones that... I feel like I'm supposed to like, I don't really. So like Sound of Music and like Les Mis and um, I don't know, West Side Story. I felt like you were very much like Jeff in this movie when he was like, I don't get musicals. Like, I don't all of a sudden start singing to people. I've said that exact same thing before. (laughs) But the thing is, is I think that I might be getting turned on to musicals because like I loved La La Land 
Um, I love Newsies. I love the producers. Um, Phantom of the Opera. Phantom of the Opera. Not the movie. I don't like the movie. What? Yeah, I don't I like really the love movie. the movie. What? It's just not a great movie. The movie's not great. I can't believe you guys. Excuse <laughs> me. We, we rewatched the movie not too long ago, and no, I wanted. Did yeah, we did. I don't know. It was probably a year or so ago. Um, I guess that's maybe whatever. Um, and I wanted to like it a lot more than I did the Phantom of the Opera movie because I love the Phantom really of the sad. Opera play. I love the movie, but the play is obviously way better, but I love the movie. Except for the play, they don't use enough of the organ. I guess it's just the music in general. That's true. Every song in that should have the organ. Andrew Lloyd Webber, you done messed up. <laughs> 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 but so I think that, I, I don't know. I think maybe I liked musicals more than I thought I did, but I think, what I don't like are like cheesy stories, if you will. Mm-hmm. And I feel like a lot of musicals have incredibly cheesy stories. So maybe I just That's don't. Fair. Maybe I only like musicals that have sad endings. That's kind of what I was thinking. I was like, well, I love La La Land and I like Les Mis and I like this one, but they all end sad. I think the exception is the producers, which is just hilarious. So have you guys have you guys seen that? Uh uh-uh. uh. No. That's the one with Matthew Broderick, right? Yeah. Uh, so for anybody who doesn't know what The Producers is, which I guess is you two, it's incredible. Um, it's these two playwrights, and they get the idea in their heads that basically you can make more money off of a flop than you can off of a successful musical. So they set out to make the worst musical that they can, so they make a musical called Springtime for Hitler. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> it's... We have to watch it sometime. It's yep. it's incredible. I just put it on my watch list for next Please year. Please do. It's so funny. Okay. <laughs> um, but going back to this, I think that one of the things as well, and you mentioned this, Sid, uh, that I loved about this movie. Here's the thing. like, From a craft perspective, I loved everything about this film. I thought the color palette, the cinematography, the writing, the music, all of it, I thought it was just totally brilliant. And... Um, really at the top of that list is the editing. I loved the editing. I feel like it kept the movie, excuse me, I just burped. That's really bad podcast etiquette. <laughs> um, it kept the movie going at a, a pretty breakneck pace, despite the fact that it's two and a half hours long. I don't think that it felt like two and a half hours. Mm-hmm. Did this feel? No, I think it went pretty fast. Did this feel only 20 minutes shorter than Blade Runner? No. Which is a good thing. That means Blade Runner is just way too long. Blade Runner feels is too long. Blade Runner is a very uh, slow movie. In any case, um, the editing. I feel like, like I said, I feel like it kept it at a very, very, very fast pace. Especially, it would do this thing occasionally. It didn't overuse it, but it would like skip like five or ten seconds, and so you would like see like jumps right so like they did it during that conversation between Selma and Bill a couple of times that it would like jump forward a few seconds and you would like see things change really quickly or however and I don't know I thought that scene was one of the one of the better scenes in the movie honestly I thought that the just the acting was incredible in that one Mm-hmm. Yeah. What do you guys think? I don't know. I didn't really notice the editing, which I guess is kind of the point. If it's good, you don't want to notice it. Um, but yeah, all that you're saying 
makes sense now in retrospect that just I don't know I feel like it was very effective in what it chose to shoot what it didn't show what it skipped so and then it also because there are some parts where it skips it makes the lingering scenes more effective and it draws them out and it makes I don't know it kind of helps you empathize with the characters more I think that that's um, specifically true in the scene where she's doing my favorite things in her cell mm-hmm. and the camera just kind of hovers on her. I think that that scene, I think you're absolutely right. I think that scene is so effective because the editing has been so jittery and um, I, I, s- I use the word aggressive in my notes. It's very aggressively edited. Um, but that scene specifically, I think is incredibly affecting because of the way that the camera just kind of hovers on her as she seriously i mean i don't want to just jump from thing to thing i want to make sure that we talk through these topics but i just keep like thinking of different things that i liked about it her performance oh my gosh amazing how i have no idea how that was do you so good she just completely and 150,000 percent sold me mm-hmm. on selma being an actual human being mm-hmm Mm-hmm. Like there was no element of she didn't make it look like acting. It didn't. It didn't look like she was acting. It just looked like she was being a person. I didn't know that Bjork had that in her. I didn't know either. Um, I'm looking here. I don't know how many acting credits she really has. I was looking, and it looks like most of them are just like her own music. Her videos. music videos. Yeah, yeah that makes sense. Uh, let's see. Yeah, this is really only credit which Lars von Trier have you guys ever seen anything from Lars von Trier before no but I've heard a few of them I've heard his name mm-hmm. I've heard of Melancholia yeah I've heard of that one in Dogville and I've heard of Nymphomaniac I've heard of it yeah I've heard of that one I've heard of Antichrist he's got some crazy movies he's a weird one isn't he oh yeah 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 Where's he from? He's from Denmark. Really? Mm-hmm. I would have sworn he was Eastern European. This film had a lot of, uh, I guess, Eastern European aspects to it, I feel like. Specifically, the, the color palette and how everything was kind of washed out. I felt that as well, even though I've only seen a couple that you've shown me. Like, it felt like an Eastern European movie that you would show me. Yeah, I also didn't think that it was made in 2000, but it was. I would have said it was... 20 or 30 years older than that. Yeah. Just from the colors of it and the way it was filmed and everything. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, let's not, let's not gloss over that performance. I just, I, I really cannot say how good her performance was. Mm-hmm. Well, and I think, I think one of the things that makes it so good is that she does just seem and act so normal. Like, like you said, it doesn't seem like she's acting. Like she has, weird quirks kind of or like well she's makes faces and she's incredibly absent-minded yeah i i I just don't think she's that intelligent yeah she comes across as like not that bright very absent-minded but just passionate about the things that she cares about Mm -hmm. and uh, sorry maybe not unintelligent uneducated yeah maybe but like she's very childlike i put this in my notes that like I guess just specifically talking about the character, Selma, not necessarily, like, the performance. But, like, 
I loved her character and the way that like everybody around her just like loved her. Yeah. And like there really are just people like that who just are good people and you just like can't help but love them and want to do like anything for them. And it seems like every single person in her life was like that. Even Bill, who ended up stealing from her. Bill sucks. He but really like does. he still like cared for her a lot. He was just too selfish and greedy. And so I just, I don't know, I love that that came across so well in the story and in the movie that, like, her character was so lovable and loving. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And that's, uh, I don't know, that's an interesting thing because even Bill, who is, like, I guess by default the villain of the movie, isn't even really a villain. He's still an incredibly sympathetic character. Mm -hmm. Like, when people, like actual human beings, get backed into corners like that by life like they do irrational things they do crazy things they you know what i mean like you you do i feel like that's that's just how people are yeah he even he is an incredibly human and sympathetic character even if he just makes really poor decisions yeah and i feel like all the characters just felt like people that's what I mean when I say that the world to me felt incredibly lived in. I felt like it was actually a world that people live in. It was this, it was this little community of people who all knew each other and had known each other forever. And there was weird little dynamics between them. Jeff was always chasing Selma and Kathy was always helping her. And you know what I mean? Like it just felt like things have been this way for years. And that's a really, uh, I guess, special ambiance to be able to create mm -hmm. yeah there was a very good chemistry between all the characters um one thing that i really liked is i don't know maybe i was just the only one who kind of picked up on it but i kind of not so much that it's camera work or change of uh perspective but i kind of feel like in some instances we were kind of looking at it as those as though we were selma like kind of there'd be a moment where she'd talk with someone and then she'd walk away and they kind of just like focus on um, whoever she was talking to and you know either they like kind of the scene with um when Bill pretends to leave but he's still in the house and he watches her go get the money and um you see his face you know he he looks like he's come to the conclusion that he's going to take that money but he looks really sad about it so I kind of feel like in some ways we're looking at people take care of her or take advantage of her that she just doesn't realize but then also in other instances I kind of see it from like the friend's point of view like seeing her and seeing how um, helpless she is and kind of pathetic she kind of gets and I don't know I think it's it's just a very good dynamic between all the characters in Selma and just the way that they try and take care of her I think that's a really good point that like simultaneously it shows that she is completely helpless but super stubborn mm -hmm. and that her friends are helping her with everything mm -hmm. and that it's kind of well I don't know if I'd say it's a burden on them but like they have to go out of their way to make sure that she's okay so I think that's a good point it's like it's the village raising the child mm -hmm. kind of a thing yeah and then kind of jumping back a little bit 
one thing that I think s- is so effective in Bjork and her character is, as I was watching, she kind of she has a very innocent face and very kind of elf-like face. So I feel like, you know, even if she doesn't really have any expression on, she just looks like someone who needs to be taken care of. And that's very effective for this story. And, yeah, it was just incredible. Yeah. Um, also, her singing. So good. Heavens. I didn't oh think gosh. it. I've only heard her like a little bit in the past and I didn't really like it, but man, was she good in this. Here's the thing. Uh, Bjork is one of those artists that I got into a little too late in the game, I feel like. So she's got like 15 albums at this point. I'm like, I don't know where to start. So like I've listened to a few of her albums. I've listened to Debut and I've listened to Posts and I've listened to Volnacura. And I don't remember if I've listened to any of her other albums. But I always really liked her voice, but like, I don't know. I feel like I need to go back because her voice just blew me away here. Yeah, I definitely want to give her songs a listen because that's like the main thing I look for in music is vocals and she's got it. Like, Mm -hmm. it's so good. And what do you guys think um, about the fact that even during the musical numbers, nobody else could really sing? What do you guys think that that uh, does that mean anything, do you think, or? At first, I thought it was kind of weird. Like, I was almost a little annoyed with it when it was, like, her and Jeff singing. And he just, yeah, like, Jeff's awful. is so off, too. And then, like, <laughs> this deep voice. And it was, like, ugh, cringing. But I don't know. I guess I hadn't thought about it until you just brought it up. But I do think it's an interesting thing to think about because it's all in her head. Like, she's the one that's really good at singing and really good at dancing and can do all of these things because it's her imagination but like everybody else is just themselves so i think that's probably that way on purpose because yeah jumping back to your uh, comment about her conversation with jeff when he's like i don't just start singing and dancing and she's like no jeff you don't and like even in her imagination he doesn't really yeah he doesn't dance at all he's just like walking he's just walking and like <laughs> Have you seen elephants? You know what I mean? Like <laughs> the Eiffel Tower. <laughs> exactly. But like it's also kind of endearing at the same time that mm-hmm. he's so bad. I don't know. Mm-hmm. I felt like it was really like cute is the wrong word, but like But like the other people in her life were still themselves even in her imagination, which yeah. I think is endearing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Endearing is probably the the right word. I wrote endearing like three times. In my notes, <laughs> because I feel like all the relationships are very sweet, and like the movie itself, although it's like so depressing, I feel like is endearing. Yeah, I think specifically, uh, Kathy is a freaking saint. Oh yeah, she's the best. I uh, I wrote down the times that I cried during this movie. Because the only thing that I really know about it is that it was sad. But again, I didn't know it was this sad. Um, and the first time that I kind of teared up, I didn't actually shed tears, but I, I got a little choked up, is when uh, they're in the movie theater. Mm. And the guy's like yelling at her for uh, talking to Selma. And so she's like, well, what's going on? So she starts like dancing on her hand. That was so sweet. That was I, really cute. I didn't, I might have teared up a little actually, but it just like, 
Aw, like my heart felt it. Yeah, no, 100%. It was an incredibly effective image. And then immediately that's followed up by her at drama practice. And Kathy, like, and Selma won't go out because she doesn't know how far it is. And so then Selma steps out and the director's like, what are you doing, Kathy? That's Selma's part. And she's like, oh, yeah, my bad. And then she goes back and she's like, it's six steps. It's like, (gasps) oh, my gosh. Just such a good friend. And I feel like everybody in the town knows that she's blind but she won't admit it Mm -hmm. and that's why they all help her Mm -hmm. like even like the director of the play like walks her up the steps and that was when he calls the cops and has to keep her there that's a tough scene yeah that was a rough one because he doesn't want to Mm -mm. but like again everybody like you think about it in 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 80 90 percent of movies the director would have been like, Selma, the police are looking for you. You need to leave here, and in five minutes, I'm going to call them. You yeah. know what I mean? But like an actual human being would be like, no, the police are looking for this woman. I should probably call them so that I'm not an accomplice. Yeah. yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, everybody in this movie is so human. Mm-hmm. And I think that, I mean, I'm, I'm thinking about, as we're sitting here talking, I'm like, you know, everybody listening to this podcast, what can they what can they take away from our comments? What are we going to help them? Cause I feel like that's the point of the podcast is to maybe help people think about things in a different light or, you know, connect dots that maybe they didn't see on initial viewing. I feel like that's the point of this podcast. Yeah. And I'm thinking, what are we, what are we doing for these viewers? And I just, I, I want to, I hope everybody here listening will, will come away with that. Just realizing how incredibly special of a film this is because of its ability to have it seem so real and so organic and everybody's so human and the situations are believable and their reactions are believable and the way that people do things like everything tracks and everything makes sense and that's such a an incredibly difficult thing to do you think back to like our discussion on annihilation for example and we loved that movie apart from the fact that you know there was um a few pieces of dialogue where like the the screenwriter just forgot how human beings speak to each other mm-hmm. and like that's such a common thing in movies is like the the writers will try and make it so impactful or you know you'll, you'll need to give your william wallace braveheart speech or whatever but like that's just not how things go and like even in tough situations like someone didn't know what to say when she like walks into bill and his wife's house what's her name linda linda mm-hmm. and linda's like I know what you did. I know that my husband came over and you were trying to come on to him and everything. And she just didn't say anything. She's like, so what do you have to s- Do you have anything to say for yourself? And she's like, no, I need to talk to Bill. Like there was no like quick comment back or anything because like in real life, like what do you say? You know? Yeah. So it did definitely feel real. Yeah. There really wasn't any part in the movie that I felt was phoning it in kind of just throwing in dialogue to move the the plot along um there were points where i felt like there were some really awkward points but that's the point of it and you're supposed to feel awkward because in real life you feel awkward in these situations and Mm -hmm. so yeah i thought that was really good yeah and so i think that just to to kind of build on that point a little bit i think that's why from our position, you know, doing a podcast talking about this movie, I think that's part of why it's so difficult for us to talk about because how do you, how do you just talk about life? You know what I mean? Yeah. 
Like you just watch these people's lives, I feel like. And how do you, I mean, I guess like how do you dissect that and take themes from that? It almost feels just like super, like there's a super voyeuristic element to the film. I feel like that we just are watching these people and it's like, I feel like rather than watching a movie, I'm watching these people's lives and how do you, it just, it feels like this is found rather than made. Mm-hmm. And so I have a hard time being like, oh, the screenwriters left breadcrumbs here. Or there's this clue or whatever that maybe the people didn't notice or whatever. It's just like, like it's a movie that you have to watch and you have to feel to really get why it's so good and so impactful. And we can talk about it all day about what makes it good. But this isn't a movie that you can just hear somebody talk about. You have to see it and experience it to really feel it. Mm-hmm. And that's, like I said, I think that's something so incredibly special. Even something that I love as much as like Blade Runner, for example. Like I could describe to you why that movie is so good. And you could, without seeing it, be like, oh, wow, that sounds really cool. Those themes are really important. And that's giving me something to think about. But like this is a movie that without seeing it, you cannot understand what it's trying to communicate. Yeah, before I'd watch this, I'd, um, you know, like pop up on YouTube and like top 10 saddest movies. Um, and, w- you know, watching that, I had no interest in seeing this. This is, it's a difficult movie to describe for sure because it is so sad and it's, it also feels so real and just kind of like a heavy feeling over the entire thing. But yeah, I definitely agree. You can't really understand what makes this movie so good until you watch it and you immerse yourself in it. Yeah, I think that's a perfect way to say it, that, like, you just have to watch it. And it really, you do, you feel it, and it's found more than it was made. Um, And I think it's interesting because it is, like, a movie about crime and drama, but it wasn't, it didn't feel like a crime movie. It's not a crime drama. Yeah, exactly. There is a crime in it, but. (laughs) Like, when you were explaining the movie in the beginning and you're like, and then this lady was robbed and she had to kill someone and gets hung, like hanged. That's right. Hanged. 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 Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, like you were describing all that and I was like, oh yeah, that happened. Like that's what this movie was about. Yeah. But I think the parts that were so impactful were like how she reacted and how she dealt with things and like the ordinary moments that like we're all saying you just had to be there kind of and so you come away with it not with like a oh was her killing him justified or blah blah you come away with it with one thing i think and that's the just intense love that she had for her son and her you know she made the decision in her head that no matter what it took she was going to get him that surgery and it doesn't mean it was right it just means that's what she decided and like that was what was important for her Mm -hmm. and so that's what happened and the other thing um i don't know i don't want to i don't want to get into a movie that we didn't watch but um today i mean but we watched uh and we'll talk about it in other topics but last night becca and i watched um it comes at night and one of my absolute favorite things about that movie and I think carries over into this as well is that the enemy is this illness that we don't know a lot about. We don't know where it came from. 
and all we have to go on is what the characters tell us, right? So, like, who knows if this is really a congenital disease? Who knows the details of it? She's all worried because she's like, oh, you can't tell... Um, what's her kid's name? Jean. You can't tell Jean because if he finds out, he'll worry. And if he worries, his eyes will get worse. I'm like, that doesn't sound medically right, but I don't know. You know what I mean? It can in some cases, but... In any case, I don't know. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. I wonder if she really had a full understanding of the disease. Mm-hmm. And I guess that just makes it sadder is like, like we don't fully understand the disease and what's going on, but she has decided this is the only way for my son to live a happy life. And when you get to the end and Jeff asks her, well, why did you have him then? And she says, I just wanted to hold a little baby in my arms. And it's like for her, um, all of this, her, the, her entire life after that moment of being able to hold a little baby in her arms, she dedicated to making sure that he could live a happy life. And she decided that this is the way that that needed to happen. And so even, and I guess that that brings to the idea of, you know, like parents doing things for kids that kids don't understand. And I guess that's an interesting theme and all of that because, uh, the scene with the bike where she's like, I'm not that kind of mom. I'm not that kind of mom. He's like, well, can you, can you be that kind of mom? She's like, I'm just not that kind of mom. I don't buy you gifts. You know what I mean? Like, she's decided that this is what he needs. And she's just stuck on it. She's so incredibly stubborn. She's very, very Eastern European. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I agree with that. Totally. I don't know. This is one of those that, like, as I'm thinking about it, like, I, I, I just loved it. And I think really everything about it. And I think that the the thing that we haven't talked about yet that we obviously would be remiss to not talk about are the musical numbers. And I think that they did something um, which is, again, incredibly rare and incredibly special. And that's that I feel like the musical numbers really created pure magic. I even wrote that in my notes. Really? <laughs> yeah, I said... <laughs> that the musical numbers were really magical (laughs) (laughs) and so the i mean the camera work steadies up a little bit the color palette changes a little bit and they're just very dreamlike well and even with like the choreography like the dancing isn't all like the exact same that like what you would see in like other musicals Mm -hmm. but it feels very like almost improvised like they're they are just like doing this dance and like some of the dancing had like some sign language elements to it and oh, did it i didn't notice yeah in um in the, the one with jeff one. yeah yeah she was saying i don't i don't know what, what she was saying she say? i can't remember what she was singing but she was saying something about oh she it was when she was saying like i don't really care yeah, yeah. if i don't see my grandson mm-hmm. or whatever like i don't care about it anymore and she was like signing that part, which mm-hmm. I thought was oh, pretty I didn't cool. Know that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> which I thought was like at first I was like, "Well, if she's blind; she can still hear and talk. <laughs> <laughs> she doesn't need sign language." Mm-hmm. But I thought it was sweet. Yeah. One thing I like about the musical numbers is it. I mean, it seems to me that she's not blind anymore in those. Yeah. Which adds to this is her world and this is her dream and yeah, it just it shows 
what is really going on in her head whereas you know all the side characters they have no idea what's going on so it really clues you in on how idealistic she is and again so we um one thing that this did incredibly effectively is just what you guys are saying it showed the world inside of her head it really let us live in that world for the duration of these songs and so again i think about it comes at night and the way that they showed the dream sequences they changed the aspect ratio right like the image mm-hmm. because have you seen that movie Sorry. no okay um so there's these dream sequences and the way that it shows them is the aspect ratio changes so the actual picture on screen becomes uh skinnier the black bars at the top and bottom get bigger okay um during the dream sequences and um you look at something like that versus something like this where, you know, we, we watched a couple of videos on It Comes at Night after we um, after we finished it. And one of the complaints that one of the critics had was, you know, that um, it was distracting having the aspect ratio change. And I think that the changes in this one from real world to her daydream were subtle enough to be noticeable but not be distracting, right? Mm-hmm. Like, it's not like it firmed up and suddenly the picture became less washed out and it was you know, a, a movie from 2000, it was like the camera work got a little steadier. The cameras got, or the, the, um, colors got a little brighter and that was it. And I think that the, the subtle change there really helps us slip into that world. And then once it gets going again, I really do think it's just, I think it's completely magical. And that's a really, uh, I guess rare thing for me to say about a movie. I'm usually pretty cynical and analytical about movies mm-hmm. and so for me that was incredibly touching and refreshing to have a movie just be so purely magical i think that the last movie that did that um in a similar way was probably the shape of water with its musical number yeah let's watch that yeah i love that one becca wants to <laughs> watch the shape of water um but back to like the musical parts of this one. I think my favorite musical number is the one that we've talked about already quite a bit is with um, her and Jeff because I feel like that's where like... I've seen it all. Is that what yeah, you're yeah, yeah. Yeah. I feel like that's where a lot of um, themes come out and just like... Um, I guess her... I don't know what word I'm looking for. Her attitude or her perspective on life comes out a lot in that musical and there's like a lot to learn from like her I think and I even wrote down um like right before that musical number starts he says to her you can't see can you and then she says what is there to see and then like starts into this musical and I thought that was just like such a terribly sad line like that like really hit me and I was like She's what? so inc- that's such an Eastern European sentiment to feel that way. She really? does it. She does it a couple of times. Yeah, she's like, "What is there to see?" And then um, when, uh, what's his name? What's his name? The guy that Jeff? takes the money. Bill. 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 When Bill's like, "Give me the money and you can go," and she's like, "Where do I go?" Yeah. Like, I mean, granted, in her situation, she's pretty defeated but like that idea of like well what's there to see that's a very eastern european sentiment that i don't know again just endeared her to me Mm -hmm. but yeah and like it's just like such a sad like sentiment and when you think about that like well what's there to see or where do i go like that is so defeating and so sad but then in both of those cases it leads to a musical number that's like 
happy even after bill like it singing like she did what she had to do and she's like happy and and i love too in the musical number with jeff how they're talking about like i can review things on my own screen or whatever like she's already seen all these things and she can keep reviewing it but i think just the attitude that she has in her head in the musicals is like an important one to like think about and embrace just like that idea of turning those negative things into a good thing and like being happy with where you're at and and what's happening in your life and still having that attitude so I thought that was like an important aspect and an important character trait that she had that is again very endearing and can be learned from so absolutely said what was your favorite musical number um probably yeah probably the train scene i feel like it was um it was very revealing to her ideology and kind of her thinking of this disease that she has because you know before prior to this you're just thinking oh that's so sad she can't watch her favorite movies anymore which is not my nightmare um and it's you know she can't work properly but you kind of watch it and she's just she's okay with it this is just how it's been since she was you know a little girl and this is just life for her and it kind of I mean you still feel sad for her but you kind of accept it as well well and I think that a lot of that honestly comes from again her love for Jean Mm -hmm. that like she's not allowed I feel like in her mind she feels like she's not allowed to be upset about her disease because all that matters is curing Jean Mm -hmm. and so she's I guess that's the way that I put it. I feel like she thinks that she's not allowed to be upset about her own disease. Like hers is done. It's it's over. Yeah. It's a it's a foregone conclusion. Yeah. So there's no point in being sad about it. Yeah. I also love um, when she's in her cell and she's singing, uh, favorite things because that was like yeah, kind of so that was kind of the moment when I was like, she's amazing. She is so good in this. Because that's just acapella. <laughs> yeah. Oh my gosh, that was so good. And I hate acapella. That was incredible. It was so good. Oh, yeah. I think that mine is probably after she kills Bill. Eh, Tarantino. Kill Bill. Oh. Uh, <laughs> um, I think that that's my, probably my favorite musical number. I think that the lyrics and the choreography um, are just heartbreaking. Yeah. The way that she, like, because there's never anything sexual between her and Bill mm-hmm. at yeah. all. And so I think that that aspect of it really paid off in that moment where he's painting the wall and she like comes up in his arms and it's like, there's nothing sexual or mm-hmm. anything about it. It's just like, she, you know, felt like that's what she had to do. She was backed into a corner. That's what she had to do. And she wants her friend to forgive her. Mm-hmm. It's yeah. just very loving. Yeah. Yeah. And then when she goes out and dances with Linda, same thing. And she, you know, she walks out and the first line she says to Linda is like, I've killed your man. Mm-hmm. And like all she want, like she, again, all that matters is helping Jean. And, but at the same time, she wants forgiveness from her friends. And so she invents a world where that's possible. And it's interesting when you say that, like she's just doing it for Jean that like in that scene the part that says you just did what you had to do it's was Jean, Jean singing it yeah yeah and like in her mind 
it's Jean saying that to her because she's doing it for him. And then that last moment where she just says, I'm so sorry, and like holds that note, and oh my gosh, oh, heavens. And then I think as well, um, in her cell with the, you know, my favorite things. And then um, the last one as well. Oh my gosh, the, that the, last one. The just next to like, last song. That broke my heart. Like mm-hmm. I was like actually shedding tears for probably the I last was 15 too. minutes oh. of this I was movie. like shaking and like, oh my gosh. When it's so hard to watch. Is it Brenda? Is that her name? Yeah. yeah. And Brenda's like helping her to stand and <sighs> like. Oh my gosh. And that song where like literally she's just singing numbers. She's like 54, 58, like. I was dying. Yeah. That was so sad. I'm like starting to cry right now just <laughs> thinking about it. It's rough. And it then really is. How, again, her performance, how do you shriek like that? Oh, like that was real. Yeah. Like I don't that know, felt so real. I don't so know real. how you could possibly make those sounds. And then like again. Like it's just pure like agony. And then thinking, and then again, like bringing it back to it being about Jean. Kathy rushes up there and puts the glasses in her hands and says, he wanted me to give you these. And like, we don't know if he had the operation or not, mm-hmm. but that's the only thing that's able to calm her down. Yeah. Is that like to her, it was worth it. Mm-hmm. And like when she's down there, Oh my gosh, I just can't even. Well, and even when she's like laying on the ground and she's like, I'm so scared. I'm so scared. <sighs> like, how do you, I, I don't know how, you, I don't know how you act like that. I don't know how I don't, I don't, there's some performances that people give that I just don't know how. Like, where where do you pull that from? Yeah. I have no idea. Because it's got to it's gotta come from somewhere. You know what I mean? Where do you pull that from? Apparently, she had a pretty rough relationship with Von Trier. So, maybe she pulled it from that. Oh, like a romantic relationship? Well, she said that he came on to her and then she you know rejected him and then he took it out on her during filming gross so maybe i don't know Hmm. but either way it's great yeah it was amazing i mean don't sexually assault people for the sake of a movie yeah but this was the year that we gave it to julia roberts for aaron brockovich Mm. i'm sure she did fine but i don't think that she acted this well i don't know that i've seen very many other movies where people have acted this well yeah i don't know i really don't know that's really up there as far as acting goes in movies Mm -hmm. yeah and then again jumping back even just the sentiment of the lyrics of that final song Mm -hmm. she says you know it's only the last song if we let it it's the next to last song and her idea of you know if you leave the movie at the next to last song then it goes on forever. Mm-hmm. But then again, the crushing reality of the movie that like that doesn't work. Like literally halfway through the second chorus. But then I also kind of feel that them cutting it off is kind of symbolic of her leaving the theater. It's just you yeah. didn't hear the rest of the song, so it could still go on. Mm-hmm. That's a good point. And that's how it even ended like right after that with that quote that said like it only ends if we let it end or something like that yeah but again with the last scene i think sid mentioned this earlier that the color doesn't change or maybe it was you andrew Uh, sid mentioned it and i think that's 
so important for this last scene that like she's singing again and it's about her but like this time it's real Mm -hmm. and like this time it's not just in her head like this is how it ends and I think that's so impactful for the last scene and makes it that much harder to watch yeah it was like halfway through that scene that I was like wait this is real like these people are just watching her sing and yeah and then one more thing that I think because again the movie is incredibly sad but at the same time it's like not because there's so many things that counteract the sadness and in the face of all of just these horrifying things happening like this world like you said becca is full of good people and like people just being good to each other and not doing anything crazy like just being good to each other and i think that that's uh, i don't know a really um wholesome take for a movie to have you know what i mean because generally like somebody will stab you in the back or somebody will become Superman or whatever. But like, this was just good people being good to each other. Like people who loved each other and cared about each other, just being good to each other. And then bad situations backed him into a corner and bad things happened. But like, again, just to emphasize it again, they're just people doing people things. Yeah. I don't know. I actually didn't write too many notes down about this movie because I didn't even know what to write. Because you were too busy crying. For real, though. I cried. I wrote down... I, I, I noted the things that I cried, or the moments that I cried, and there were five. <laughs> so. I kind of wrote the same sad. thing over and over, just that it was, like, ordinary and endearing and magical mm-hmm. are basically the words that I kept using. Mm-hmm. Well, they do describe this movie. Yes, they do. Do you guys have anything else you want to bring up about it? Um, I think just one more thing. And we've kind of already talked about this, but I feel like there were a lot of other things that this movie could have been about, but weren't. Like greed and murder and stealing. Like like those kinds of things and like the healthcare system or whatever. <laughs> You know, or like innocent people going to jail. Not that she was totally innocent, but like there's so many other things that this movie could have been about, but it wasn't like it was about people and like real human qualities and real human reactions. And that's what like we've talked about. That's what I'm left with. And that's what I keep thinking about is just how real this movie is. So I think that would be like one of the last things I'd like to say about the movie. All right. So is that your final take? Um, if we want to go to final takes. Do you have anything else you want to bring up, Sid, before we go to final takes? Uh, no, not really. Because I ran down my list. Yeah. All right. I almost got everything. So that is your final take. What is your that rating is out of 10? Take. Oh, man, I've been thinking about this all night. I am nervous because I think that it was amazing. And I don't know that I've found anything wrong with it. But I don't know if I can give it a 10 either. Because that would say it's a perfect movie. But it kind of feels like a perfect movie. I think I'm going to give it like a 9.9. Boo. (laughs) You wuss. I just am afraid to give it a 10. 
like a 9.99999. But I don't know what's wrong with it to not be a 10. So round. <laughs> Fine. <laughs> I'm just kidding. You don't, you don't have to do, <laughs> don't let me pressure you into it. I'm just giving you a hard time. If you don't want to give it a 10, don't give it a 10. I want to think about it for a while because it seems like a big deal to call a movie a perfect 10. I agree. So I'm going to give it a 9.9, but maybe in Revisionist Corner, I can put it on my perfect movie list. I love it. I love the possibility there. The door <laughs> is open. Yes, the door is open. All right, so final take. Um. Okay. Uh, to be totally honest, I didn't love it. Um. It just kind of made me sad. But talking about it with you guys made me realize th- how much better it is when I... F- how... From where... I thought about it when we end credits to now. It's definitely gone up in my mind. It's still a very sad movie, and it just, like, just weighs on you. But because of so many of the things that we talked about, the things that just make it so good and so real, uh, I would probably have to give it, I don't know, probably 89 that's still a pretty good rating. Yeah, especially for a musical for me. Yeah. Here's good. the thing. I'm gonna I'm gonna come across as a huge hypocrite here because I'm also waffling here a little bit. Yeah. It it might be a ten. But again, I mean, it's uh, we just watched it an hour ago for the first time, and I don't know if that gives me the proper. I'm still swept up in the magic of it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like. So I might withhold rating. We're not really what? allowed to do that, though, are we? No. Because I've got, I've got. I even had to give a rating with Birdman. That's right. You wanted to withhold rating there. Yes. And I wouldn't let you. So then I too will tentatively give it a nine point nine. Because I think All it right. might, I think it might be a ten. I agree that I think it might be a ten. But like I said, I'm pretty swept up in it right now. Yeah. And I want to think about it a little bit more and maybe watch it another time. But it's not one that's like. It's not a casual Friday night movie. No, 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 no. no. You have to either be ready for it or like not know what to expect. And you need to be, you need to be like ready to sit down and watch it. Yeah. You can't be like. And think about it after because you can't just like leave the movie and go party or whatever. Correct. (laughs) Correct. This is, this is an entire evening's event. Yeah. No bathroom breaks. No chomping on your popcorn loudly. Sit down and watch it. Correct. Yes. So I think that I am tentatively going to give it a 9.9 for all of the reasons that we've discussed. But I think most of all, if we're talking final thoughts here, one thing we have to take away is that it's hard to think of another movie that so effectively just feels like real life. The only other one that I can think of is my perfect 10 movie, (laughs) A Ghost Story. See, but I don't think that feels like real life. I mean, there's the there's the pie eating scene, which definitely does. But I I mean, I think that movie has other fantastical qualities. Yeah, yeah. There are points where it feels very real, and points where you're, what the freak is going on? Yeah, (laughs) and all of a sudden you're 200 years in the future. Anyway, what a cool (laughs) movie. movie. So um, then I think we'd probably end up um, on the Weston scale somewhere in the mid nines yeah how far did two nines pull up a i think it probably pulled up to like 9.6 probably around there yeah it's pretty good that's, that's pretty good really pretty good seriously good. highly recommended but again Seriously. it's i i think are we all safe saying it's a it's a 
a we watch movies and then talk about them certified recommended movie yes yeah, i'd say so i think i'd recommend it to most people yeah. are there really any movies that we've talked about that were not we generally talk about movies that we like and yeah. or we Except know are good becca some i wouldn't like want my mom to watch oh that's yeah. true <laughs> i think this is i think this is the first one that going into it none of us had seen right yeah because yeah. i i at least had previously seen every movie that we've talked about mm-hmm. so that's interesting and this just goes to prove listeners if you have something you want us to watch and discuss we'll do it just let us know comment on the facebook page and it might be a perfect movie like it might just be i was not expecting it that could for open this. our eyes i was not expecting that for this me either um let us know on our facebook page we watch movies and then talk about them uh send us a message uh, slide into the dms on instagram uh, <laughs> at movies we watch um yeah most uh, here's the thing probably 95 percent of the people listening to this are people that we personally know so just walk text up, us wa- yeah just text <laughs> us say hey you should <laughs> you should do x movie for the podcast because we'll do it we we're we desperate like to for approval yeah, please, yes. we'll do it. please validate us. We've put, <laughs> please. at this point, like, 40 hours into this podcast between watching movies and recording the podcast. Oh, my gosh. So That's a lot of hours. Validate us, please. Please. And while, you're, validate, while you're validating us, go drop us a review on iTunes. Helps us uh, get to the top of the searches. When people go search movies podcast, the more reviews we have, the closer to the top we'll be. Go review our page on Facebook like and share our posts tell your friends tell your friends Seriously. tell your mom as long as she's not super conservative yeah if your mom's cool tell her if your mom's not cool still tell her yeah why not who cares <laughs> if your mom's not cool what does it matter it's true um yeah shall we get on to uh trivia said what do we right. have trivia? Yes, just All right. a few. There's not a whole lot. I didn't lot even ask. Them. I was just, I just, I, I trusted you. <laughs> There's always trivia. I can always find it. Um, so yeah, like I said before, Bjork and uh, Von Trier had a pretty rough relationship. Every morning, Bjork would show up. She'd say, Mr. Von Trier, I despise you, and then spit at him. I love her. I know. She's, <laughs> she's pretty great. Um, there was one point during shooting that she just left. She just left the set for three days, and then she showed back up, and they couldn't film for three days. My favorite thing is, at the end of filming, she apparently ate part of her costume, which... What? Bjork was Lady Gaga before Lady Gaga was (laughs) Lady Gaga. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah, where was it? Um, She was known for her erratic behavior. Um, She once attacked a news anchor when asked about working with Von Trier and supposedly ate part of her costume after filming was completed huh which what i don't know what to, i don't know what else to say to that yeah it's huh. not a meat costume That's like lady reaction. gaga so huh. <laughs> <laughs> um let's see so this was yeah this was her first leading role i'm pretty sure it's her only ro- leading role um let me think i'm that. kind of okay with that because bjork is selma yeah like that just that's who she is that's who she is <laughs> and then i'm not entirely sure what this means but it says premiere voted voted this movie as one of the top 25 most dangerous movies yeah i don't know what that means i don't know what that means but mm. i agree 
So. Okay. And yeah, that's there's really not a whole lot of trivia for this one. Um, Foncher tried to. He worked for a year, a full year, to get Bjork to do this, and it paid off. And that's all, all I right. have for trivia. Um, let's see here. So it says that they made a list of the top 25 most dangerous movies. Um, they don't do much to explain that except to mean more than just controversial. But controversial, important, meaningful, or movies that make you think whatever it means. So they don't really define <laughs> what it means. So it's just 25 movies. Okay. Yeah. It's dangerous because you will cry and think dangerous. about life. <laughs> and you don't want to do that. <laughs> no. It's <laughs> if I don't get that enough. Jeez. <laughs> yeah. All right. I mean, they're putting things like M and Clockwork Orange, Requiem for a Dream, Taxi Driver. Um, yeah, those are the kind of things that are on this list. Weekend. I don't know what that movie is, but it's their number one most dangerous movie. Hmm. Maybe we'll have to watch it. Uh, let's move on to Revisionist Corner. Becca, what do you have to tell us about Hereditary today? <laughs> Nothing. I already revised my opinion yeah, about you Hereditary. Want, you want to give it a higher score? You want to put it in the nines now? No, I don't remember what I rated it. That's nah, fine. <laughs> but why is Revisionist Corner just for me? Oh, because you're wrong about Hereditary. Yeah. What? And Birdman. <laughs> Great rebuttal. <laughs> Great. Really effective podcasting there. Thanks. I, I just will stand by what I've said, and I can't revise Birdman until I watch it again. That's fair. But when are we ever going to have I'm time? I'm not ready to watch it again yet, though. That's fair. In a while. We can watch it again. Okay. But other than that, I don't have any revisions for you. Any revisions, Sid? Mm, nope. All right. Any revisions, Andrew? I don't think so. I mostly just want to give you the opportunity every week to tell us how wrong you were about Hereditary. Well, I gave Hereditary a pretty good review and opinion, That's true. I feel like. That's true. Like, I just didn't like it, so. Here's the problem, guys. This day is a weird day. I'll tell you why. Um, I got stung by a bee today. That's true. <laughs> it was, It was awful. I think it was a wasp, actually, but I don't know. I was wearing basketball shorts. Becca was there, so I'm looking at Sid while telling this story. <laughs> I was wearing basketball shorts, similarly to how I am wearing basketball shorts right now. Uh-huh. In fact, the same ones. The same shorts. <laughs> and uh, we're standing there, and all of a sudden, just a really sharp pain right above my knee. Now, those with leg hair will understand that sometimes a hair can get stuck in a thread or like on a pair of pants or something. It's a weird thing that happens. And it's a really sharp pain. So I was like, oh, that must have been it. So I looked down and I kind of ruffled my pants to dislodge the supposed attached hair. (laughs) And I see an insect moving around in my shorts. (laughs) Not not like up in there, but just on the edge, right? So I lose my mind. And I literally lost his mind. Oh, I started squealing and (laughs) running around. Running around. And um but I pushed it out and it must have flown away because 
At first, I pushed it down, and then I just started violently smacking my leg, <laughs> like, in case it didn't get out. Like, now it's done for, which, uh, on second thought, I'm glad that it got out, because I don't want a dead wasp squished on my leg, Ew. right? Nobody wants that. And you probably that. would have gotten stung a couple more times. Probably. Done that. Yeah, it would have been bad news. Um, but then, as we're sitting here, I think I got bit by a spider. Ew. Right now? I don't know. Ew. Is there a spider on the ground? I don't know. But I'm I'm what? I'm itching this bite on my foot, and I want you to take a look at it. <laughs> I see it. I think. Right there. I think maybe your foot was itchy, and you itched it and itched some skin off. No, look. Oh, it's right not, there. Yeah, it's oh. right here. It's swollen a little. And there's two distinct holes, right? Yeah. Could you have gotten bitten by a spider right after you got stung by the wasp? I, I think that's unlikely because... But there were spiders. There, there. I was wearing sandals. And we were in a storage unit and you walked in and said, I think there's Black Widow in here. I could have just been having a bad day, guys. Because <laughs> I definitely got stung by a bee and I think I might have gotten bit by a spider. <laughs> <laughs> so mark that's a crazy bad day. day. Mark this day, September 8th, 2018, as a weird day. <laughs> a weird day. I'll put it on my calendar for the rest of forever. It, the day that nature fully rebelled against me. <laughs> that's totally to that's totally off topic from the podcast, but I wanted to let everybody out there know. Because when we were coming home, I looked at Becca and I was like, I'm going to be complaining about this all night. <laughs> and literally right after he got stung and calmed down a little bit, he just said, I'm so pissed. <laughs> I was. It just it pissed me right off. I was like, I didn't do anything. I was literally just standing there and this stupid freaking wasp just flies up, flies into my shorts and stings me. And like, what am I supposed to do about it? You know, like, I'll go tell that wasp. Well, yeah. Like, what is anybody going to do about it? You know, but at it. I was just pissed. I was really mad. So I told Becca, I was like, I'm going to complain about this all night. So this is what I have to deal with. So Thanks, wasp. If here you're out are. there, please die. And now my foot itches really bad, and I think it was a spider bite. That's not good. It's not good. I don't know what to do for spider bites. I don't know if you can do anything for them. I think you just have to live with it. Yeah. I'm probably fine. Yeah. Hopefully. It did. Here's the thing. The web in the storage unit did look like a black widow web there's a difference yeah the black widow webs are all like they're not pretty they're all like chaotic yeah. and wacky andrew knows a lot about insects and bugs and specifically spiders even Good though he else. hates them I it's hate weird them so much because like some spiders you'll see it be like a pretty orb or whatever but like black widow webs are just kind okay. of that makes sense. nasty yeah so i said we're moving next week I'm going to close the storage unit up and I'm going to deal with those spiders next week. <laughs> and then I'm going to leave. You're going to get bit and stung again. Maybe. I mean, I'm going to wear real Just shoes and gloves. <laughs> I'm going to wear a bee suit to go move next week. Um, but then I'm going to leave an angry note for a storage unit that says, you should spray for pests because this is freaking ridiculous. Um, so that's our life. <laughs> that's our weekly update. I'll let you guys but we're getting a podcast room. So we are. Yeah, we're moving this week we're not even on other topics yet i guess this is other topics um <laughs> uh, this fits the definition of we're, other. we're topics, just talking right? about our lives yeah we're just talking now by now um we're moving next weekend a week from yesterday we're moving and we're gonna have a whole room specifically dedicated to the podcast we're gonna have a studio sick so we're legit you so guys so that's gonna be pretty great friends. 
Yeah, tell your friends. Tell your mom. Unless she's... Well, if your mom, we already established this. Whether or not your mom is cool, tell her about the podcast. Okay. Um, what else have we watched? Sid, what have you watched this week? I watched Searching. Oh, which oh. was really good. I saw you that it had really. Good, yeah. I saw that it had good reviews. And I stuff. loved it. Was it actually good? I yeah. thought it looked really dumb. No, it's good. That's the one where it's like I, told through the webcam, yeah. right? Which like could be seen as like kind of a gimmick. But I really, I've seen it twice. Really? Wow. Yeah, I saw it by myself, and then I took my brother to go see it. That's super surprised. I I thought it looked see it. really stupid. I really liked it. Like I wouldn't say it's the best movie sure. of the year, but I really liked it. And John Cho is so good in it. Hmm. Color me surprised. Yeah. I highly recommend it. All right. Also, I watched Paddington 2 last week. I've heard that's incredible. That is probably one of the most perfect movies I've ever seen. Dude, really? isn't it on Rotten Tomatoes? Doesn't it have 100? On highest score ever on Rotten Tomatoes. Wow. So Paddington good. Paddington 2. Oh I'm scared crazy. to watch it. I'm scared to watch it because one, I don't like kids movies and two, a movie with that kind of expectation. Like I, I don't, I don't want it to not live up to it. I just want to no. like be like, Oh yep. I've heard Paddington too. It's is perfect. So cute <laughs> and so charming. And just, it's so, I don't even know why it's so good, but it's just so good. The first one's pretty good, but this one is just, I don't know. It's spectacular. I, I haven't even it. seen the first one. I cried like a baby in it. Yeah, uh, last year there was uh, a flare going around on the uh, like our movies subreddit mm-hmm. that was Paddington Two for Best Picture. Like people were into that movie. Yeah. Oh my gosh! Like unironically. <laughs> <It's>, <laughs> oh my gosh! It's so good. Yeah. So I've been raving about that all week, and hmm. I don't know. Is it, and then I watched all the Harry Potters last week. Me too. You watched uh. all of them last week. Yeah, why are you so surprised? I watched five, six, seven, and both of seven. I okay, the I probably didn't know over. You watched that many. <laughs> probably over I like had a two lot of weeks. time this week. <laughs> probably over like two weeks, I watched all of them. And That's amazing. Oh, so good, and I'm starting to reread them too. Of course, that's once. a dedication right there. That's a I, lot of movies. That's I eight do that movies to put down once a year, really? at least once a year. Wow, that's amazing! I just finished reading the books like six months ago. Oh. And then I've been watching the movies ever since, but very slowly. And mm-hmm. then this week, I just, like, kind of got hooked and watched the rest of them. Which one is your favorite? What movie? The third, Prisoner of Azkaban. Mm, is that because Alfonso Cuaron directed it? Partly. <laughs> and also, it's, I don't know, I feel like it's it's very different from all the other ones. It's the only one that was directed by, like, an actual film director. Yeah. I feel like it's... Well, it's very well thought out. I like it because it's kind of spooky and it's got mm-hmm. scary parts. So it's 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 weird you bring this up right now because there was a Reddit thread um, sometime last week. I don't remember. Um, it was on the Today I Learned subreddit. Mm-hmm. And then it got into a discussion about the movie. But apparently Alfonso Cuaron didn't want to do it. Didn't He didn't want to direct that movie. But Guillermo del Toro convinced him to do it. Mm. He did a good job. Mm. And what they brought up is that um, the people who were voting for it as their favorite movie, they were saying that it does the best as an adaptation because a lot of the other Harry Potter movies, specifically the ones that... What's the guy that directed, like, all of the other ones? And mm. he did Fantastic Beasts. I don't know. I know, you know Chris Columbus did the first few. He did the first two. Yeah. I don't know. I sadly don't pay attention as well as I should to things like that. David Yates? David Yates. That's the one. Um... Basically, he tried to adapt 
the movies from a plot perspective. So he took, here is, you know, 125 events that happen in the book. We can fit 60 of them. Mm-hmm. Which ones can we cut? Okay. Whereas Guillermo del Toro, or not Guillermo del Toro, uh, Alfonso Cuaron took the book and said, this is how the book feels. This is what the book is trying to get across. And then directed the movie around what it was trying to communicate and the feeling of the book rather than the rather than adapting the events of the book he adapted the atmosphere of the book and Mm. even just the third one is not it's not super plot driven as far as the rest of the other ones are concerned Mm -hmm. because Voldemort's not even in it so it's kind of it's more learning Sirius's history and it's I feel like it's more character development Mm -hmm. so yeah it's very different from the other ones so I think that may be why I like it so, so much. And now Becca's going to get mad at me when I say this because I've been fighting her on this for weeks and then she finally just went and watched all of them without me. But I do think that I need to rewatch them at some point. I'll rewatch them with you. <laughs> <laughs> because I am curious specifically about Prisoner of Azkaban. And actually, uh, the Utah State Symphony is doing... Um, oh, that's right. I don't remember when it is. We'll have to look it up. But they're doing like a performance of Harry Potter and the Prisoner of Azkaban. Oh so like gosh. they project the movie, but with no score. And then they do the score live along with the movie. Oh, my God. So they did it last week. It's a it's a thing, apparently. Like I had only read about it. I've like heard of it, but I didn't know it yeah. was that. I know that people did it. I, I know there were like showings of 2001 that did that and stuff mm-hmm. like that. But I didn't know the Utah State Symphony does it. So they just did Jurassic Park last week. Oh, yeah. I heard about that. Which would have been really cool. But it's also really expensive and it was kind of short notice. Yeah. Uh, but they're doing Jurassic Park. They're doing Prisoner of Azkaban. They're doing Ghostbusters. They're doing Casablanca. They're doing um, A New Hope. Like, just really cool movies. So I want to... It's really expensive, so we kind of got to pick which ones we want to go to. I want to go to Casablanca. I think that'd be a really cool one to go see. But I would also like to go to Prisoner of Azkaban. I think Prisoner of Azkaban would be really cool. I think so. Let's do it. As I was rewatching all of them, I was... Just blindsided by how good the music was. I never really realized how dude, good John it was. Dude, John Williams kills it. Like, oh across gosh. the board. Dude can't fail. Or then, you think about, like, the Harry Potter theme, like, the Hedwig theme. Like, it's so good. Dun, 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 but, like... Dun, that one? Yeah, when they first started it, they didn't know how freaking... How Harry Potter would take over the entire world. So, like, they were kind of just, like, blindly... I mean, not blindly, but... They just, like, put this song together that turned out to be amazing. And it's just, like, song for our generation. Are you guys ready for this? I'm going to list the years that John Williams was nominated for Best Original Score. <laughs> 84 years? For all 84 years of <laughs> the Academy? 2018, 2016, 2014, 2013, 2012, twice in 2012. And, yeah, so yeah, twice in 2012. Um, let's see. Twice in 2006, 20, 2005, 2003, twice in 2002, 2001, 2000, 1999, 1998. <laughs> Uh, three <laughs> times, three times in 1996, 1994, twice in 92, twice in 91, twice in 1990, uh, 89, twice in 88, twice in 85, 84, twice in 83, 82, 81, 79, twice in 78, oh 76, 75. Oh. <laughs> How old is he? Three times in 74, twice in 73. 72, twice in 70, and 1968. Those are all the years that John Williams has been Jeez. nominated for the Oscar for Best Original Score. So you could say he's probably pretty good, right? He's all right, yeah. <laughs> he... 
Oh my gosh. What did he win for? Yeah, these are all nominees. Let's see. He won. It's a crime. He hasn't won for several years. He won for Schindler's List. He won for E.T. He won for Star Wars, A New Hope. He won for Jaws, Heavens. How do you beat that soundtrack? Oh my gosh. I got in a giant argument with my friend because he said that the Meg was better than Jaws. Has he seen Jaws? What? I haven't seen yes. the Meg, but I can tell you Jaws is better. Oh my gosh. I was so furious. Anyway, I just had to bring that up. Uh, and then he won for Fiddler on the Roof. But yeah, he hasn't won since Schindler's List. Jeez. He's just nominated every year. Jeez. He probably should have won for Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone. What did win that oh, year? Yeah. He probably just didn't realize how big it, Harry Potter was going to be. But it's such a good score. I know. Freaking the song that they play while they're like getting Hogwarts ready for the battle. I cry every time. <laughs> it's so good. Ugh. Uh, they gave it to Fellowship of the Ring. That's kind of a hard beat, actually. That <laughs> yeah, is, okay. Yeah. <laughs> All right, I get it. I'm okay with I'm that. I'm fine with that. Now that I realize that, I'm mm. fine with that. Um, okay. Uh, Becca, what have we watched? You watched all the Harry Potters. We watched, started watching Pride and Prejudice. We did start watching Pride and Prejudice. I'm, I'm so happy. <laughs> I made it. It's, how long is it? Five and a half Five and hours? Five and a half hours. Oh I made it. It's I a made mini it, series, so I it's made like it two a hours. break every hour. <laughs> I made it two hours before <laughs> I threatened to just put my head through the window. <laughs> <laughs> we still have three and a half hours to go. The best parts. Oh my god! It's so, so apparently good. The best parts. What are your thoughts about it so far, My Andrew? thoughts about it so far is um, it's uh, basically every Jane Austen everything, but longer. All right. <laughs> I, as fine. it was starting, I told Becca, I was like, can I play Jane Austen bingo? <laughs> <laughs> and everything that I guessed was right. I listed out like a dozen things. Eh, there's a couple that weren't right. What we, was wrong? We, ha- we haven't finished watching the movie yet. What was wrong? Um... There's nothing to do with the transfer of property or buying property. No, the buying of property is key because he buys that house. Who? No one buys anything. No, Mr. Darcy's friend buys the house and that's how he comes into the picture. Oh, I guess so. He buys a super big estate really close to their super big estate. That's key to the plot. And then there's another one that you got wrong. I don't remember what it was, though. I said disapproving father, but it was a disapproving mother. Yeah. It's fine. I don't care if you don't like it. I just want to make you watch it once. That's fair. That's totally fair. <laughs> <laughs> because I have Andre Rublo coming in the mail. Oh, boy. And you have Solaris. We still have Solaris that we have to watch. Yep. Um, but Andre Rublo is just under four hours long. Oh, my gosh. So. See what he puts me through? And it's, it's in <laughs> Russian. It's fine. I can make him watch Jane Austen with me. And it's in black and white. You've watched most of the Jane Austen movies with me. I have. I've watched Sense and Sensibility. And I watched Emma. Emma. And that's all. So every time, a th- every time that I watch a Jane Austen movie, I just want to watch Atonement. Why? Because that's a good one. They take place in England. I don't know. I can't <laughs> tell you Scott why. Kira Knightley. Yeah, maybe. I guess. And it's a good movie. Um, we watched, as I said before, It Comes at Night, which we I did. quite loved. I think. I did not like because I liked a lot of parts about it. Like it was beautiful to watch and the acting was really good, but there was no story. Like, yeah, the plot is dumb. The plot is stupid. 
So I was just like, why am I watching this movie? I don't care if it's pretty. It's dumb. It's very pretty. It is very pretty. But they could have had a good plot. Like, there were some good elements there. It just wasn't a good story. Cool. Um, I want to propose something here as we're talking about this. I want to maybe as a special episode um, because I wanted to talk about it on other topics just because I was curious to bring it up because Becca has finally recently decided that for her a ghost story is a perfect 10. Yes, I have. So I want to at some point have a discussion between us and maybe this warrants an entire episode but discussing which movies for us are 10s and Mm -hmm. why. So that's my proposal is that we either dedicate an episode to it or have like a i don't know like a wednesday upload or something that goes up that's just us chatting about what movies we think are perfect tens mm-hmm. i think that'd be fun to do yeah, yeah I'd be so down. be thinking about what movies are tens not immediately so just gotta look on her face okay. right <laughs> I just gave her a pop quiz i'm not <laughs> saying right now i'm saying be thinking about it so that we can schedule this and, and have it be a thing okay because again we have We've liked all the movies that we've watched. Mm-hmm. They usually get between sevens and nines. But, um, yeah. So maybe we have an episode where we talk about our perfect tens, and then maybe we talk about movies that we just hated. I would love that. That's a good idea. We have one I love talking about we movies talk I talk about love. Space Jam. No. And talking about movies <laughs> I hate. <laughs> yep. My two favorite things. 100%. Well, we're getting to that hour and a half mark. Boy. So, um, I'm sorry that I took up so much time with my... Uh, bee. bee sting and spider bite <laughs> it's just it's a weird day it's it a, weird a weird day, day. <laughs> but if you're still listening thanks for listening podcast you 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 put it on in the car you start driving and you just leave it right so people are still there i believe that yeah thank you too. though we do we do love you and appreciate you we appreciate you letting us into your life into your car into your headphones wherever you're listening to this we thank you if you're with your mom give her a hug she deserves it <laughs> um, as we learn from Dancer in the Dark, moms go through a lot. And it's just because they love you. So give your mom a hug. Tell her you love her. If, yes. you're, if you're currently feuding with your mom, I know some people don't have great relationships with their families, and I'm sorry if that's you. But give her a call. Tell her, hey, thanks for birthing me. She'd appreciate it. I know I would. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. As, as a mother. Yourself? As, as a mother. I would greatly appreciate it. Um, but no, I think that's it. Anything else you guys want to talk about? Nope. I think that's all. Nope. Yeah. Nada. Well, again, we thank you. You can find us on Facebook at uh, facebook.com slash we watch movies and then talk about them. Uh, where we just throw around a tube of chapstick into a microphone. <laughs> Um, and make really loud clacking noises. Uh, so facebook.com slash we watch movies and then talk about them. You can find us on Instagram at movies we watch. Um, drop in and say hey. Uh, as your host, my name is Andrew. I'm Becca. I'm Sid. And we love you. We love you. Goodbye. Bye-bye. Bye.